Hello and welcome to the Hello Judges podcast. My guest this week is Wendelin Van Bunnick. Wendelin is an independent coffee trainer and consultant, World Aeropress champion, Dutch barista champion and founder of the Happy Coffee Network. We have a good chat about competition from various sides and we talk about Wendelin's experience emceeing at the World Championships in Athens this year. I've brewed this podcast using 30 grams of coffee with 100 grams of 92 degrees water, then bypassed with another 120 grams of water to achieve the ideal serving temperature for any podcast. 60 degrees, of course. Please enjoy. Wendelin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. You are 2019 Dutch Barista Champion, 2019 Dutch and World Aeropress Champion. Yep, correct. And also the founder of the Happy Coffee Network. Yeah, yeah. 2019 was a crazy, crazy year for me. Yeah, crazy busy year, 2019. And you became an AST that year as well. Yep. And um, uh, because of the Dutch Bristol Championship, I got to compete in the WBC that same year as well. So two national championships and then two world championships in one year. Um, yeah, that was nuts. Wow. Where was the uh, world championship in uh, 2019? Uh, Barista was in Boston. Ah, yes. And then Aeropress was in London, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what is the Happy Coffee Network and what do you do? So the Happy Coffee Network is my online community that I started uh, roughly six months ago. Uh, But the idea has been in my head for a lot longer. I've always felt this from the moment that I entered the coffee industry as a barista about 13 years ago. I always felt this odd sense of like... I want to belong to this group of people like they seem so cool some of them know so much but I'm not sure how I fit in here like what is my place am I cool enough am I knowledgeable enough and that you know that insecurity has always stayed with me um and the more I talked openly about it the more I met people that felt the same so then I got this idea, thinking like, huh, if there's so many of us that want to belong to a group of people that we kind of interact with and that we feel at home with and that kind of like um, uh, have the same mindset as we do, why not just make our own little club? Because I feel like we sometimes we were trying to, or I was trying to belong to a group that didn't necessarily want me to belong. Um, so I figured I'd make my own little group uh, of people who also kind of want to belong and, and connect to like-minded people, basically, um, that are maybe not as cool as the cool kids. But I think that that group is a lot more fun and a lot, a lot bigger as well. I feel like, and the more I talk about this and the more, you know, the Happy Coffee Network is growing, you it turns out that there's so many people out there that feel the same to a to different levels of degree um but we all have this really deep human need to connect to people and to have a safe space where we just want to you know talk about our passion which in our case is coffee and 
to nerd out sometimes, but also to find some knowledge to be able to catch up with the nerds. And also sometimes just to be able to enjoy a cup of coffee without having to nerd out. So there's there's this huge space of possibility, basically. And there's so many people, I think, that are craving the same as, as I was when I just started. And because of the platform that I've been been giving through the championships and for some reason the like my energy that people like to latch onto is something that I could use for good and when I was still working at the roastery that I worked for for 10 years I couldn't really fully express that like I couldn't I didn't have the freedom because I was working for a brand to uh, have people connect to me or like join my little group of whatever kind of group of, of misfits that we are um and that's why the moment i left that roastery um you know this idea of like building an, an online community it had to be online for me because um right after 2019 um the first lockdown started and we all went online and it was amazing to see because a couple of years ago i never would have thought like i still hear the voice of my mom saying like you don't make real relationships through whatsapp or through you know msn messenger what we were doing back in the day um that's all like shallow and superficial and and, and fake and during covid when i was at home and kind of you know i left the company that i worked for for 10 years kind of reinventing myself i found myself building genuine relationships with people online like through instagram through conversations that i was having and everyone was still looking for that same connection so i figured why not you know build an online space an online platform the sad news was i didn't know anything about building websites like i am the least technical person out there um so i took a course on wordpress for dummies and uh, i started from there i've always had this um determination of like i don't know how to do something but i'll make sure that i figure it out somehow i don't care i have this um I'm, I'm very headstrong i guess um so yeah and then i also because i was talking about it to people around me in the network or, or in my own network in in you know the conversation that i was having through instagram some of the people that i had built a relationship with got really into it like got really excited and i was like you know what maybe i don't have to do this alone i can start it with a group of people that makes it less scary for me um and we can do it together and that is literally like we started out as a little whatsapp group that is still active uh of what the group of people that i started calling my founding members and together with these 13 people we just you know, obviously I built the website and I tried to do all the technical stuff and then we just kicked it off and it started growing from there. That's amazing. So essentially it's all about inclusivity, knowledge sharing and uh, it's sort of like a rising tide lifts all boats, that kind of mentality, yeah. right? A hundred percent. I want people that join, uh, the people that, the members that are joining are looking for knowledge but they're also looking for a place to kind of admit that they have questions and that might be some silly questions like sometimes there's a gap i was talking to one of our members yesterday we're doing instagram live with uh john townsend he's an, uh, an ast from the uk as well 
And we were talking about how we both have this deep need as coffee trainers to bridge the gap between like the specialty coffee industry and like the regular consumer. Um, but there's also a different gap between the level that you see people talk about coffee online in forums and, and on social media. And for some reason, there's very it's very difficult to find like the knowledge like the real basics and i noticed this when i uh did a post on my instagram about a year ago about why is your coffee tasting bitter and i felt ridiculous for posting that because i made this carousel post and it's like you know three reasons your coffee tastes bitter and i felt it was so basic and i thought that I would, you know, people would unfollow me. They thought like, ugh, why is she posting such obvious, like everyone, I assume that everyone who follows me on Instagram knows why coffee can taste bitter. And it turns out that the opposite was true. I got so much excitement and engagement and people are like, oh, thank you for putting it in like bite-sized chunks. And that's when I realized that we like and we need information but we need it in bite-sized chunks. I have a pile of books behind me, my favorite coffee books that I love, that I never open. But we have turned into a, uh, a society that is used to consuming information in bite-sized chunks. And I feel like if I understand the information myself, I can give it to people in bite-sized chunks that they can consume and understand and digest easily. And, and that is what I'm trying to do with the Happy Coffee Network as well. Like, don't assume any knowledge. And even if people already know something, like the, the atmosphere that we're creating, it will never make you feel bad for not knowing something. But we will also not make people feel bad for knowing it. And I think that is a very uh, difficult thing to achieve. And... Um, yeah, but it, it's so far it seems to be working and it seems to be resonating with a specific type of people. And I feel like that group is is huge. It's just such a big group of people um, because obviously everyone has their insecurities and for some strange reason, people seem to assume that I don't because, you know, of the competitions or because of, you know, my my extrovert personality or I don't know, maybe it's the pink hair that people think that I'm like loud and extrovert. That means that I must be confident all the time, which is 100% the opposite. And I feel like the more you talk about your insecurities, your your vulnerabilities, then that gives other people the freedom and the permission to do the same. And then I think that really lift some pressure off people's shoulders yeah definitely like going back a little bit to what you were saying um, about how people consume information now in these bite-sized chunks like i remember when i was first getting into coffee it was like the time of the blogs like it was all the long blogs you know like the hoffman blog there was you know you know tons of them and you just sit down and read it all and you'd be like oh wow this is like the key to the the coffee world and um I think it's really interesting now, like how YouTube videos and Instagram posts and podcasts, even like an hour long podcast, I consume it by like, listen to it on my walk to work, you know, listen to like 15 minutes of it and then another 15 minutes later or something. And uh, it's it's really interesting. And that's I think that's part of one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast 
because a bit like the Happy Coffee Network sharing this knowledge is the sort of world of coffee competitions was so almost like exclusive and mysterious and there wasn't always a lot of like oh how do I enter this for the first time and actually have a chance at getting something out of it so it's really interesting yeah that makes sense I mean for me I I love podcasts personally like I already listened to your podcast before you reached out and I because it's so pleasant to listen to people's voices you get a lot more um personality and a lot more um uh obviously intonation and and uh yeah i guess personality through through um listening to someone's voice then if you're reading a blog post i am a terrible writer that's one thing i don't have the patience for it and uh, being a good writer is really an art but i also enjoy consuming um you know information through a podcast easier than through a written blog for some reason and that I, that's i think because we're all always interested and curious about other people um maybe even more so than the information but yeah that's just my you know two cents I'm, I'm i love podcasts and that's the one thing that i will like get sucked in the other day i found myself listening to a podcast that lasted like an episode that was like two hours about something i think it was on a uh, 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 super sciencey like a, a podcast about how to improve your sleep quality and i just i just sat in my car for 30 minutes after i already arrived because i really want to finish it um and that's i that's something magical about podcasts i guess yeah completely agree with you so um as we assume our listeners might want to know a bit more about you as a person then going off what you've said uh, <laughs> what coffee are you drinking at the moment I am having my last bit of my leftovers from Athens. I actually got some of um, uh, Aga Royeska's coffee that she used during her chess fair competition. So it's not, you know, maybe perhaps roasted ideally for, for the origami that I made, but it is a Columbia from the El Fergel farm. And it is a natural anaerobic cedra. So, you know, just something very cash and um yeah uh i i brewed it in my origami with the recipe that luca croci the uk brewer champion uh taught me last week when we did a uh, brew along for the uh, for the happy coffee network he just jumped on the brew along he's like you know what this is how i brew my origami at home i was like okay i'm gonna you know we all took notes and we brewed that recipe together it was it was such a yeah so i'm having like a little after athens um um coffee amazing yeah i don't uh personally know luca like i need to speak to him because he's had like an amazing journey from being like such a, a young dude first time competitor and then just like winning the uk championship and getting all the way to the finals uh in the world it was, it was i met him um on the on the day of the brewers cup finals uh, and his mom and his team and he was he's such a sweetheart like he's very young and he was just so excited to be there. It was, he was just a breath of fresh air of between all these competitors that are obviously, you know, they they, they put in everything and, and so did he, but he was just so genuinely excited to be there. Like he couldn't believe that this was happening to him and he's still like riding that wave. Um, and also what I heard from his mom who's coaches him, which I think is, amazing in itself 
um, she told me a little bit about his road towards um, Athens and his um, dedication, like his his stamina, I guess, in training, which was absolutely mind blowing. Because I think he's like 21, 22, um, real like Geordie boy, and he must have so many other things that he could be doing with his time, and yet he wanted to train from dusk till dawn like literally he would drag everyone out of their beds to do the routine one more time and to improve and i feel like if that is already the attitude that you have at this young age he's gonna go places because he's such a nice friendly kid as well like he said something during that brew along last week that he would prefer to be the people's champion over the world champion which i think is is such a wise thing to say for someone that young like he values the communication and the being a generally nice person more than winning which i think is pretty impressive yeah for sure so you were mc at like was it both brewers and uh barista this year in athens yeah, yeah. so i got really lucky i got to uh mc at the uh world barista championship at the semi-finals day with uh i think he's 2007 world champion no 2010 hidden ori i have to double check that um but he was just a really really sweet guy and so enthusiastic with great energy and i was really nervous like the wbc stage like that is massive um and and very intimidating and i i knew how big it was going to be from you know from boston and i saw it in milan as well but you know there's a live stream and there's like you know it's a very tight run schedule as well like there's a lot of there's a lot at stake basically and there was a lot of instructions beforehand as well from from the SCA like things not to do and you know what to well not really what to wear but mostly like you know make sure that you're professional and you're obviously you know you want it's a whole thing like it's a, it's a prestigious uh, uh championship so i was like i'm not going to be the one to like mess this up for everyone who's working so hard on this um so there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders for sure but once we got started and I kind of got into the flow of the competition and Hida was such a super great support, we kind of started to like roll with it. And uh, there was a bit more pressure the next day when I was doing the uh, finals day for Brewers Cup. But it was also because it was only six competitors. So that was quite relaxed. Like there was quite some time in between. And you got to like chat with the uh, 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 with the with the competitors beforehand a little bit as well. Um, the only thing that was terrifying was that award ceremony. Like. You know, I've seen enough of these competitions to know what is at stake and, you know, for these for these competitors and how, I mean, I was nauseous myself. I always get nauseous during announcement, but this was, I mean, I just didn't want to mess that up. You do not want to be that MC that just like raises the wrong hand or like calls out the wrong name. I was, but luckily also thanks to my co-MC uh, Petr from, uh, from the Czech Republic, it went really smoothly. I didn't even swear once. Um, it was, I think it was good. And I, I'd love it. I loved every second. I would do it again in a heartbeat. That's awesome. Did you pick up any like, um, whether it be like competing or brewing, you know, any sort of like pro tips or insights from being around all the competitors? The one thing that you always see backstage, because I also, I was also a volunteer at the WBC in 2018. And then, you know, being a competitor myself in 2019, like I've seen a little bit of the backstage business, 
um, the ones that are kind of so prepared that they can relax a little bit, like kind of lean into the nerves and have their stuff organized. Um, that that definitely makes a difference because like, I think that also depends on how much you can enjoy your time on stage, like how well you are prepared backstage, obviously. Um, and also the competitors who seem to be able to still smile, like they're kind of, obviously there's nerves and there's pressure, but there's this sense of like, you know, what, what I saw with Luca so much is that he was enjoying himself rather than crumbling under the pressure. Like he seemed to soak up every second of, of his time back, whether it was backstage or on stage or in between. And I think that that really uh, uh, made his experience more enjoyable, whether or not he won or made it to the finals or not. But I think if you go to these, if you get to go to a world championship, and obviously you want to win, but if you put so much pressure on yourself that you're only happy if you end in top six or something, or even top three, God forbid, then the chances of you not being able to enjoy the process and enjoy your time on stage are going to uh, get smaller and smaller. So I think, you know, the, com the competitors who were able to enjoy themselves, both backstage and on stage, uh, will have, you know, the best experience. But also I feel like that will help them in their presentation as well somehow. Yeah, like you're competing on literally the highest level in the world for you know, making coffee. There's a there's a lot of inherent pressure, and then how you sort of absorb that and how you respond to it can definitely make you have like a really horrible time, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what defines a person as well. And obviously, you can get better because the next time you're on a world stage, you will know better. You will maybe adjust but i think it's a matter of like how well can you deal with pressure and how well can you deal with unexpected things and those two things will probably define your experience when if you get the opportunity to to compete at this at this level um that separates the men from the boys like because there's always something unexpected like as as great of an organization the sea is and the the world coffee events it's not perfect like it sometimes is a little bit chaos and things go wrong and when something unexpected happens and it will then how do you deal with that like i think you're it's it's like are you in a i think it's called like a fixed mindset or a growth mindset and i think that can make a world of difference as well like if something unexpected happens do you like fall apart and start crying in a corner or are you like okay well that's not you know exactly how we anticipated but we're just going to roll with the punches and uh, give it our best um yeah that's going to make a world difference and i'm not sure if that is something that you can train it's definitely something i think you can work on um but then you have to you know know from yourself or like be reflect and know what what kind of you know mindset you have and how to actively change that and that is not easy yeah like um for yourself personally as a competitor like how have you how have you handled when things go wrong or don't go to plan like like how did you uh respond to things did you train for that uh i did i had a coach especially in 2019 uh when i was um, preparing for the for the wbc in boston i 
uh, was lucky enough to have a coach that helped me prepared for unexpected stuff as well. Like at, at a certain point we had our routine down, you know, things were happening within time. And then we had like a couple of days left before we had to pack everything up and we decided to, or he decided to train accidents. Like he would make me train like, okay, in the, the next routine or next one, we're going to do your shots channeled. So practice making a new shot on stage or, um, you know, he would kind of cut my, my timer back or like, stop. so he would make unexpected stuff happen. Um, and just to help me push through if something unexpected happens. And I'm, really grateful for that because when i was at the stage in in boston uh i did my intro i started my time and did my introduction and then i find myself checking the clock and i was 40 seconds behind on schedule like 40 seconds behind in my routine and that is a long time to catch up so for some reason i didn't choke and i was like okay while you know while performing i was like i'm gonna have to speed things up a little bit and that be, you know being so prepared that you consciously can have those thoughts while still continuing your whole script to the to the judges while you know pulling your shots now obviously something got to give so my shots gave and sadly the technical part in my case like i will make I, the show will go on but <laughs> technically it will become less and i think other voices will be stronger technically so but then they might crumble on the on the presentation side so you know obviously something has to give but i was still able to catch up on those 40 seconds and um and somehow made it within time um yeah so that is definitely something that that i prepared for um sadly there's also things that you cannot change that are a bit more difficult for instance for my signature i had i used the um, the nitro siphon and i used the the n2 charges the the nitro charges and i couldn't find them in the states could we couldn't bring them on the plane because you can't bring those chargers in your suitcase because they might explode so we figured we're going to the United States. There's gonna, there's bound to be N2 charges somewhere there. And we couldn't find them anywhere, not in the whole bus. I think we visited like five or six shops from kitchens where to like smart shops to like anywhere. We couldn't find them anywhere. So we had to, we ended up having to uh, make my signature with regular like uh, carbon dioxide chargers, which obviously gives a different foam structure. So that cost me a lot of points. Um, in, in my signature as well. But still, like that was a tough pill to swallow because like that was two or three days before uh, before my routine, we realized, okay, we're really not gonna find them. So we're gonna adjust and, you know, do what what we can with the, with the carbon dioxide chargers. And by the time I got on stage, I was okay with that. Like it wasn't anything I could change anyway. So I was just gonna give it my all and um, yeah. Next time you learn and you do something different or you, you know, you will account for that as well. Yeah, that's the cycle of competition. Every single time you're like, okay, th this is going to be different next time. Or a lot of the time you finish it and you go, oh, I'm never going to compete again. And then it slowly comes back to you and you're like, okay, I'm going to compete again. I need to remember to not make those mistakes. Yeah, yeah. My, my coach used to say you either win or you learn something. And so far, that's always been the case. So let's go right back to the beginning. How did you first get into competition? I started in competition in 2011. Um, I, I started in coffee in 2010, I think, 2009 maybe. And when I was working as a barista, 
um, my colleagues would go to the finals of the Dutch Brisa Championship and I went along with them and that was the first time I saw Brisa competition and I was amazed with the amount of people that were there like the Dutch coffee scene but also like these judges and it was like a really high stage as well so everyone was like literally really high up and I was just blown away by that. I was like, I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but one day I'm going to go, you know, on that stage. So I decided to just go for it the next year. And as they say, ignorance is bliss because I didn't know anything. I was just really enthusiastic. Maybe it was a good thing because if I would have known more, then I probably would have let my insecurity stop myself. But I was still riding that that wave of like, I'm a barista, I know how to get shit done, I know how things work, I know how the world works. I was 21 after all, so I knew everything. And I was gonna show them. And uh, I remember when I was preparing for my uh, pre-rounds in 2011 backstage, the, uh, there was a group of guys that um, were preparing for one competitor, for a different competitor. And they were wearing like the latex black gloves and they were like polishing glasses and stuff and repolishing and like they were super organized. And I just looked at them and I think I had my then uh, boyfriend, now husband there kind of like doing my dishes. I remember just looking at them going like, what a bunch of nerds, like what a show offs, like wearing latex gloves, guys, come on. And obviously I, fail horribly I didn't you know but um I forgot I wasn't I didn't have a script I kind of vaguely knew what I was going to say and I thought I was just going to wing it with my personality and uh, I thought I was an excellent barista anyway so um that was a great great learning experience um it was when I look think back at it it was very cringe um sadly there are still YouTube videos of this on the internet but every now and then I will watch that video of me and my big head on that first stage and um, remind myself like how far I've come in terms of um, knowing what you can and what you're, you cannot do, like knowing your limits, I guess. And back then I thought I had it in the pocket because it's just like this, this, you know, confidence that wasn't based on anything. And that year that I wasn't, um, proceeding to the finals was the year that I realized like, wait a minute, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I'm not God's gift to coffee and maybe I should just start taking some notes. So that really like put me back on the ground. And that's the turning point when I started, you know, listening to people and actually taking notes. And um, I competed again in 2016 with, a much better preparation. I was working for Roastery back then, so much better team, a coach, uh, great support. I got to train during work hours and I ended up taking second place, which was incredible. It was a lot, I had no expectations and I was super proud of that. Um, and I won to Lex Veneker, who proceeded becoming like second in the world the year after anyway. So there was no shame in that. And then um, I wanted to have, go straight back at it but I also um, wanted to start a family with my husband so I had a kid or we had a kid and it's very difficult if not impossible to combine a pregnancy with competition or a, a baby for that matter so that's why there's like a little bit of a gap and then in 2019 I decided to have a 
uh, decided to have another go, and that's the year that I finally uh, ended up winning uh, because the stars aligned that year. I guess I had the same uh, support from the from the company that I was working for. I had I added another great coach, uh, my friend Philip Hainauer from Switzerland, and um, yeah, that the you know the stars just aligned that year um, for for my barista competition. So um yeah we 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 i think we had six five to six weeks between the dutch brista championship finals and then the the wbc and we changed the whole routine because the coffee just wasn't up to par and we had to change the coffee and therefore we had to change like parts of the concept and that was really intense afterwards when i came back from boston my husband said like we're never doing that again like never that was that was a rough three months four months of talking of you talking about nothing else than coffee, especially like those five weeks before the WBC, I was training. I, I'd come home, I'd eat, I'd do some yoga, meditate or something to like calm me down, go straight to bed. And my husband wasn't, I, di I didn't even have any pictures of my daughter in that. I think she was like two and a half. Then I wanted to make a photo album a year later uh, of my daughter for her birthday. And I, I realized I had like zero pictures of those four four months before the WBC. So that was, um, I, I kind of understood why the husband said like, you know, we're, we're not going to do that again. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't blame him. But as you mentioned, um, that is always temporary. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, like, I don't have kids myself, but I can't imagine how difficult it must be to, you know, put your all into something like a barista championship and you know manage having kids at the same time like um andrea allen from onyx coffee lab she's a good example of like you know a multiple time mom who's like just absolutely smashed it in the championships how does she do it yeah it's it's i think it is a, a pro and a con on the one hand i think because my husband isn't in coffee either um it really keeps you grounded so you come home and it's good and it's healthy to think and to talk about something else than coffee. Um, I think for me personally, because it becomes so obsessive, which is necessary if you want to do well, um, it would consume me probably if I wouldn't, if I'd have a partner who was working in coffee um, and just coming home after training and, you know, sitting down on the floor playing with my daughter who has no idea of you know the importance it kind of puts things in perspective for me as well but obviously you know you're always torn uh uh you know between you know being a good mother and being a good partner but i think that goes for it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily for people with kids um i think that's the price that every competitor pays one way or another like your social life just is on pause and you become a really not a very pleasant person for your for your environment for for a couple of weeks or months depending on on you know how long you're riding the wave um but that's also the addictive part like that is the price you pay and everyone pays that price one way or another yeah and it definitely is addictive like i um it's crazy like I, I watched wbc on the live stream and i was already thinking like oh yeah you uk barista championship next year like what am i gonna do how am i gonna and then it's uh it sort of creeps into parts of your life and it's hard to like you know make sure you're balancing it properly 
yeah for sure especially last year because i competed again last year in the in dutch barista no not last year but the year before that and i ended up taking third place it was before uh, the wbc in melbourne and that was the first time that i was competing on my own because i wasn't i was no longer working at that roasteries i was independent i was you know was starting to mm, uh, make a living doing coffee training and uh, uh, some consultancy and then the early stages of the happy coffee network were like brewing in the back of my head so i was doing a lot which i loved but it was also a matter of me like i i needed to prove something to myself as well that i could do it on my own um and i did but it was hard it was really hard doing it on your own especially if you're uh if you're you know independent and if you're not working if you're well if you're training that you can't work so you're not making any money so the pressure is even it's so time becomes a thing the finances become a huge thing um so that that was a whole different ball game as well luckily i think you become more efficient in training as well uh, especially for me i needed like a bit of pressure and a bit of deadline to actually like stop procrastinating get stuff done but that definitely made things more complicated and uh, i i could i wouldn't i won't say i was on my own because it definitely had help um but it's just very different when you're when you're not working for a company that lets you train during work hours and provides you with like the equipment that you need um but yeah so looking back at that i think i was pretty proud of what i put up maybe the choice of coffee was a little bit too risky uh i used a liberica from malaysia um and i think some judges understood it and it was a risk for sure the 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 flavor of the coffee was insane but insanely different and definitely not something that the national judges were accustomed to um which is something to keep into account as well like nationals is a different ball games than worlds um and so again i learned a lot from that and i don't regret it but um yeah it's a still ongoing uh process and then afterwards i was ready to get straight back at it because that was the third or that was the first time that i ended third which was not easy like i was i had up until then i had won more times than i had lost and anything but first place feels like losing um if you're me um so i was on the phone when i after the announcement i was on my way home with my third prize and i called uh, aga who kind of supported me through it mentally and who knows how it feels like no other to not win i mean as much as she's won she's lost more time than she's won so she was like yeah just you know you're gonna this is gonna suck for a couple of weeks and then we're gonna talk again um and i called her like a week after saying like okay you know forget this happened let's make a new plan she was like no 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 no. you're gonna give it some time you're gonna process this you're gonna take a step back you're gonna learn you're gonna come back when you're refreshed and when you're excited about a new concept and when you're not trying to redeem yourself because that is the pressure that you don't want and that i don't want and if the only thing that makes you happy is becoming first in the wbc we're not going to even start on it but as soon as you want to improve yourself from last time which was you know uh, i became 30 uh, uh 21st in boston in the, in the wbc like the moment you're ready to like let's go for 20th place 
then we're going to talk again. And and I I did not want to hear that at all. Like that pissed me off for another three weeks. And she got that. Like she she was like, I get that. that's not good to hear. Like, um, and then now I'm slowly getting back to the idea. Like I kind of get why she said that. Like I needed to take that break and I needed to realize that you have to do it because of the sheer enthusiasm you have about a concept, but also about the training itself. Like you need to be addicted to the growing curve of improving yourself, of becoming a better barista and not the winning. If the winning is the goal, you're going to be disappointed. The chances of you being disappointed are just infinitely better or bigger than if you are competing to become put up the best version of yourself on that stage no matter what your level is that year um and that is that that changed everything i think um so yeah i am always considering next year and uh, next competition and my husband knows this as well so he's he's you know i will every now and then just kind of casually drop the topic and uh, mention it and then he's like yeah i see where this is headed but you know, my daughter is growing older as well, and uh, that that gives you back some freedom as well. So um, yeah, if the stars align, it will uh, it will be great to be back on that stage again, either as an MC or a competitor. I don't I don't mind either. <laughs> Do you get the same sort of um, like feeling of enjoyment and stuff out of MCing, or would you really prefer to be in the in the midst of it? Um, it's it's they're both differently enjoyable like being an mc obviously is you can just play a bit more there's less pressure on on you um you get to make things easier for the competitors and for the judges and for the people who are watching it so it's um i do really enjoy like that's being on that stage in that sense but obviously it's not as satisfying as putting in all that time and like putting up something with a team in front of judges that you get feedback on uh, afterwards of like how well things you did well things you didn't do well it's it's really about getting that feedback on how you can improve yourself that makes the competing part itself so fun because that is the perfect way of you know putting yourself in a position under huge pressure no matter at the level whether it's like worlds or or national level pre-rounds or whatever um, you are putting yourself out there, you're giving it your all, and then you're getting feedback or like, if this is the best you can do, this is what you're doing great, and this is what you can work on. And and I think I'm just addicted to that constant improvement, I guess, because I'm never happy and satisfied with myself. Like that is something that I'm I'm trying to work on, but it's, it's the other side of the medal, I guess. Like on the one hand, never being content with the stage that you are is you know a, a great motivator for com competition it's also slightly unhealthy i think that most competitors have that in common as well because it has this like it's, it's a risk of as well of, like the perfectionist side in you and um dealing with that as well like when are you going to be satisfied with the result and when is it going to be enough and when is that price that you pay for this silly competition because when you think about it when you explain it to non-coffee people it is absolutely bonkers i find myself trying trying to explain it and the pressure and the stakes and the prestige of these world championships to non-coffee people and they just look at you like okay 
And then what do you win? And then you're like, well, uh, glory, like you become really famous in a really small world. And then non-coffee people, like they just look at you like you guys are absolutely nuts. And we are like it costs so much time, money, energy, uh, a mental space. And yet it's the best thing there is. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one to explain, isn't it? When you when you put it like that, like especially if like competing, if you're an independent, not working for a you know a large business that can support you, like I think back to when I competed last, and I was like, okay, we're going to be using an EK forty three, so I'm going to need three dosing cups, and like each dosing cup could be what like twenty pounds, and you're like, oh god, like okay we'll put that on the you know company amazon account or whatever but if you're if you're on your own suddenly you've spent 60 pounds on little metal dosing pots it's insane yeah, yeah and it, it really adds up as well um and and then you're not even talking about the coffee yet or the time that you're training which i think is the biggest uh, uh the biggest cause because as i said like if i'm training then i can't teach a class so I have no income. Um, and that is, yeah, that is not an easy choice to make. But I just I just kid myself and I tell myself, but I'm super efficient in training because I've done it more times and I, I know how to train. So it doesn't, it doesn't take as much time as I as other people. But that is just, you know, fooling myself. <laughs> you tell yourself the little lies of like, oh, but think about the marketing value of if I was the champion. There you go. That's it. That's it. That is exactly. That's also what I was talking to Aga about when I had her on as a as a guest for the uh, for one of the Happy Coffee Networks uh, coffee breaks, and actually one of the best pieces of advice that I got from uh, from a former um, World Barista champion, Pete Lacada, as well. Like, yes, there is marketing value, but only if you win. And you need to think about it beforehand. Like think about Sasha who had like a book and uh, the 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 OCD lined up, like all these products lined up to launch, which he would have even if he didn't win, but because he won, he could like, it, it really exploded. So yes, there's marketing value, but that first of all, that only counts if you win and chances aren't just not that big because the stars need to align and you, you know, there might be someone else better that day um so yeah it's definitely uh i do think that you don't necessarily have to win to get some marketing value out of it but it is definitely not it's never going to be financially sustainable to compete year in year out unless you're a little bit crazy yeah, you've got to do it for the love of the game rather than just the sort of glory of lifting the trophy. Yeah, I don't think that anyone that has ever won has actually like being able to like, okay, well now I'm set for life and I can like, I don't have to, I don't think it's like that at all. That's just inherent to our industry. I mean, obviously there, if you're, if you're a star athlete in soccer, it's a different, it's a different thing. But because we're in the coffee business, I mean, we are, Pro athletes, if you want, like we are the the, the Champions League of our industry, perhaps, um, except we don't make any money. Um, yeah, but we have this. You have the same mentality, I guess, the same sacrifices and the same commitment, but we're just a little bit crazier. So speaking of uh, crazy, 
Aeropress Championships. <laughs> that's, that's a great bridge. <laughs> yeah, good segue. Um, well, like 2019, you became the World Aeropress Champion. Um, why did you decide to give that a go? Like, what do you like about the Aeropress Championships? That was absolutely crazy and very random as well. Um, my uh, the the Dutch Aeropress Championship was held in my city in in Utrecht where I live, and uh, so I could go by bike. And I knew when the date was, and I fi- I got I managed to get my hands on a ticket because I think uh, the company that I was working for then the roastery managed to get two tickets. So we were like, uh, we didn't really draw straws because I kind of knew I was going to go. Um, but I was like, you know what? I've never done it. I've I've attended many air press competitions because it's always a good party and there's always a lot of fun and there's pizza and there's beers. So um, I figured, you know, why not have a go? I tasted the coffee beforehand. Obviously, I practiced and I kind of, you know, uh, uh, decided on a recipe that I liked. And um, I got a little technique uh, tip from my uh, Swiss competition coach, Philip, who's been competing in the uh, in the Swiss Aeropress Championship several times. He was like, you know, you should try, like, you know, dose high and then bypass a little bit, you know, just give it a try. I was like, oh, I've never done that. Let's give that a try. And... Um, I just found myself progressing round after round. And at the end of the night, I was holding that trophy and I was taking the bus home. And I was texting my husband like, uh, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, are you free that weekend to go to London? Because <laughs> I guess I'm going to London. And I got into, we got into this argument because he was like, because uh, is you know you have to organize it with the daughter and you know he works in the weekends as well and i was like i'm sorry uh i'm not sure how we're going to do this because it was very short notice as well i think it was like within a month and he's like why are you competing in a competition but you have you're completely caught off guard that you could win like surely you keep you you keep that in the back of your head there's a possibility that you could win and i was like well no because it's aeropress and it's literally anyone's game um, and I know how to brew a cup of coffee and I, you know, I had this, uh, I was enthusiastic about the water that I was using or whatever, but still like it's, it's Aeropress. So it's, you know, it's not as fixed and, and the judging is not as coherent as it is with, with Brista, for instance. Um, so there is an element of luck involved and anyone who says otherwise is, is lying. Um, and I went to London. I asked a coworker to come with me, and um, because obviously, you know, the husband had to stay home because someone needs to keep an eye on the kid. And um, th- the exact same happened. I went there. I was just okay. I'm gonna have some fun. I'm gonna meet some new people. We're gonna have beers. It's gonna be like a great event. I'd, I'd never been to a World Airbrush Championship before that, but I knew uh, Tim Williams, the organizer, uh, from way back when when I when I traveled to Origin once. So it was just good fun and and such a fun event of just meeting these coffee people and even backstage it was pure chaos as well as as it was organized it was just pure chaos and everyone or most people were just really excited to be there and you could really see a difference between the competitors as well because some of them were just genuinely like this is awesome to be here like this is so fun there was like free beers there was a good party going on um, you know, some of them were in Europe for the first time. Like I remember the Mexican competitor, she had she couldn't believe what was happening to her. And then there was some people who were like taking it super serious, like really 
like being protective of their space and their recipe and their and i was like guys it's it's aeropress like aeropress competition is meant to bring our community together like this is the one non-pretentious place that we have in the coffee industry can we please chill out and i had no expectations i figured you know my because my colleague um had won the dutch aeropress the year before and he was uh kicked out in round one so i was like you know if i make it through round one i did good i can come back uh without any shame and uh, i will have made the company proud and uh the same thing like i just progressed round after round so like, okay this is this is getting interesting and then after that announcement it was just nuts i i did not see that coming at all like the response that you get the the it was incredibly overwhelming and i it i felt like because i think i had like about 1500 2000 followers back then on instagram i felt like i, I was standing on a stage and there was 2000 people shouting at me at the same time and i remember thinking like i can't even imagine what it must be like winning the wbc like if this is if this is like just aeropress I can't imagine what happens if you win like you know coffee and good spirits or brewers or, or god forbid wbc and that that took like two to three weeks to die down and um then you know i kind of landed again it was like a huge storm um and i started thinking okay how am i going to you know use this platform that i've been given for good and because of the lockdowns that started because i was supposed to um travel i think to to the coffee uh expo in seoul that year pretty soon after but then everything uh shut down i started thinking okay so how can i use this platform that i've been giving because yes i'm a good barista but also i got a little bit lucky um how will i use this for good like how do i want to present myself and make sure that the even though you're the exact same barista that you were before for some reason now people obviously listen to you better um and they put a lot of credibility in it way too much i think but you know recognizing that i figured okay so how am i going to use that and make people feel better about themselves because i've always felt like well guys if i can do this honestly you can do it as well because i'm not the best barista out there i'm not the best brewer i just had the stars align at a couple of you know crucial moments in my career so how did you make the most out of it like what did you do since then how have things changed for you since becoming the aeropress champion uh that's a good question i'm still working on that um i got a lot of followers on instagram <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm i'm not 100 sure obviously the the lockdowns um and and i was not in a great space when i left the roastery that i'd worked for for 10 years and i realized that making content was a really good creative outlet for me especially like when the reels just started popping up on um uh on instagram and i started making those i was like huh this kind of gets me a little bit enthusiastic i always felt that humor was a great way to connect to people it makes them feel safe. Like I'm, when you put me in a room with 10 people that don't know each other, 
I'll be the one that like cracks a joke or like breaks the awkward silence with an icebreaker so that everyone kind of like can relax. And that is kind of, I, I noticed that um, that is a little bit of my superpower, if you want to call it that way. Um, so I figured if that humor is something, even just for, for one person out there, a little bit entertaining, like puts a smile on their face, um, is, is recognizable to them, um, then that is a good thing. I started making those uh, those reels mostly for myself as a creative outlet. I still do. I, some for some periods of time, I won't have any inspiration or or like a creative flow, or I'm just too busy or preoccupied, and I will be able to come up with anything funny. And then other moments, I'm like, now I have ten ideas, and then I just make them all, and then I just like keep them and I batch create them. Um, but it's just i think i tried to use that a little bit of showing that yes world champion yes brisa champion but also just a struggling imperfect awkward barista trying to get by in our weird coffee industry where everyone is just trying to get by and you know make some money and make a a, a comfortable uh, a life for themselves like we all have families especially now that our industry is growing up like the bristas are growing up as well and now we're all like millennials with families and, and struggle struggles that are different than when we were 18. um so i think our community is is growing up along with the industry as well and um i don't know i just try to spread a little bit of you know joy and positivity i guess and um if that just makes one person giggle that day, then I think it's a good day. Definitely. I totally agree with you. All right. Um, what other competitions have you done aside from Aeropress and Barista? I ha None, actually. wanted to compete in Coffee Masters, and I actually managed to secure a spot in, for Coffee Masters in London, but that was in also in 2019. So that was cancelled. And then the London Coffee Festival, I think, was uh postponed and i got a deferred candidacy the year after but then they only let in i don't know some so I, I didn't end up doing coffee masters but i did have that's something that i would still like to do one day i think that looks like fun it was i was at the london coffee festival last year and it looked like pure chaos and i like that less pressure more banter more chaos i think that's really helpful in, in preparing you for the unexpected and to kind of roll with the punches and not take it too serious. Um, and of course, uh, one of the competitions that you can actually make some money off if you win. So that might make it worthwhile as well. Because then yeah. you can use those 5,000 quid and put that in, in your barista competition. More money, more chaos. That's what we like yes. about uh, Coffee Masters. Yeah, <laughs> true. So I suppose this ties into a question asked by Black and Bloom. Uh, is that a coffee shop? Are you familiar with Black and Bloom? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Black, and, uh, Black and Bloom is a coffee shop in the north of the country run by uh, uh, a good friend, Gerben. Right. Well, Black and Bloom asks, would you rather be a salsa champion or a barista champion? <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows too much about me. I love dancing salsa. It is one of the 
ways that I can clear my head. I met my husband on the dance floor. I uh, haven't danced a lot recently, but that's just because I'm getting old and I go to bed early now. But obviously, you know, Barista Champion, I am, I am nowhere near talented enough to become a salsa champion. Um, also, those those outfits are weird. I, I suppose there's plenty of weird outfits in uh, WBC as well, right? I guess so. Yeah, but at least, you know, there's always at least an apron there because it's in the rules. I don't think it is anymore, is it? I think <gasps> um, they might have removed appropriate apparel. All together? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Again, I mean, it that, that was a lot of room for discussion in appropriate apparel. I'll make sure to check next time I uh, I enter the competition. I mean, it's always pretty wise to just wear an apron anyway, right? Yes. Yes. So do you have um, a favorite historical WBC routine that wasn't your own? Are there any that you like watch over and over again on YouTube? Yes. Um, there's two, actually. The first one that I keep watching over and over again, especially um, uh, just right after was the 2013 WBC routine by Pete Licata. Um, first of all, because it was my first WBC that I saw in real life. Um, and that was, you know, life changing. Um, and also because it is a very um, practical, very well executed, but very understandable routine. I keep finding myself going back to routines that I understand. And as much as there's like some amazing routines um, uh, been afterwards as well and before that as well, as soon as it becomes really technical or like really sciencey, I kind of zone out a little bit. That's just the way my brain works. It's not that I don't appreciate it, but I just. I'm always more drawn to the hospitality type of performances. So there's Pete Licata's one, which is very, I wouldn't say basic, but very understandable and approachable because it was like, you know, farmer, roaster, barista, guest. There you have it. And then executed really well. Um, and also because, you know, I saw that uh, up close and personal for the first time. So that was very impressive. And then the second one was the uh, 2018 uh, Agas routine because it was in Amsterdam. I was a volunteer. I was on stage that day, I, you know, I think as a timekeeper or as a busser, I don't remember. But um, I remember those announcements. It was it was really intense that year because obviously the Dutch competitor, Lex, who had been doing really well, uh, ended up being second. So that was in you know in in the home country so that was intense but also you know aga being coming from like as the underdog from poland that no one had ever heard of and then there was this buzz that year like are we going to have the first female uh or world Race champion and then just the atmosphere that when 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 she won and she did not see that coming and oh we talked about this afterwards uh, several years after when we when we became friends that she said like the reason that it was so cool that year is because she had she didn't um count on winning at all same thing i saw with with luca uh, actually is because um all she wanted to do was make it to semi-finals do better than the last time she was on the wbc which i think was in dublin in 2016 um 
that was her only goal just make it you know do better than last time so she had and, and i think she was 34th or something like not great that year um so if she would have made like 31st then she would have been happy and then she progressed to the semi-finals and then even to the finals so she was already like happy like her goals have been met and exceeded and and um she had not counted i don't think she even had like enough coffee um almost for that last round so and also because her routine i understood it was about the customer it was about the customer experience and that was something that for me as a barista i could really relate to um and i i keep and that's why i loved seeing this year's uh competitor as well borum who who ended up winning it was just obviously executed to another next level uh and because the level does really rise every year which is terrifying but it's just a message that is so brilliant in its simplicity i mean i think it was like teamwork makes a dream work and i'm going to introduce you to the team that makes and i'm going to tell you my dream and it was just i love it when people just keep things a little bit simple for the common barista or consumer to understand and then you come back to the whole if i get it then probably other people get it as well if i don't get it probably a lot of other people won't either it's really about striking that balance between coming up with something new and you know obviously something original as far as that's still possible after you know 23 years of competitions i'm sure it is because we see it still every year um just all you have to do is like look at ben put every year and then you know that it's still possible um <laughs> but also keep an eye on the judges and always keep an eye on like the experience that they are having and making their life on stage as comfortable as possible um while you're also having fun in the process I, I i've seen some that go too far the other way and it's like okay i'm gonna make my entire routine about interacting with the judges and then there's like a million little things for the judges to do like move this around pour this into here you know and uh it's, you know you've got to find a good balance yeah especially like i've after i've had the conversation with trend rollings like i understood a little bit better how a judge is feeling at that moment uh, especially on a world level like they are they were always like I've, I've asked this question several times several judges like what do you think is harder competing or judging and they will always say competing but i think i disagree because having that amount of like as a competitor i know what i'm gonna say i know my stuff i got to prepare i'm like i'm in control of my routine and i only have to do it once for 15 minutes but they have to be so focused and absorbing all that information that you're throwing at them that might be completely new to them they can't miss anything because then they'll get like oh no because you're supposed to be a good judge and you know um i mean i don't know if i could do it if i could have that attention span and that focus uh, i think it's incredibly impressive and um yeah i i just want to make as you know their life as comfortable as possible like recognizing the position they're in while obviously staying within the rules of the things that you need to do and say and and just make sure that you are delivering a story that is close to your heart that kind of sparks something in you it doesn't have to be necessarily fun like you don't have to turn it into this like circus act um but it needs to 
provoke some sort of emotion within you and then therefore in the judges. Preferably a positive one as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if, if I can give one piece of advice, make sure that you're evoking positive feelings in the judges and not negative. Like, oh, we're all gonna we're all gonna die because of climate change. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a risky one. This is something that Aga has told me many times as well. Like, make sure that you're using like positive words. I think I, uh, my Swiss coach said as well. Like when I was talking too much about like we're in a specialty coffee bubble, and he said like that's a risk as well because it might be the case, but it's not very positive. Like it comes across as quite a negative thing. Like you're excluding people, and so maybe like steer away from that. So we just change the. The, the the you know the semantics basically and then you know saying the same but still uh make sure that everything you say is is happy and positive and optimistic was there uh anything else that you wanted to talk about in regards to coffee competitions before we wrap things up mm, no i think i said a lot <laughs> yeah it was awesome thanks for taking the time to jump on with me and talk about Bristol Championships, Aeropress Championships, Salsa Championships, everything in between. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Wendelin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hello Judges podcast. I had a great time chatting with Wendelin, and we talked loads about more than just competition. We delved a lot into mental health and taking care of yourself in the coffee industry, and I thought it was a real worthwhile conversation. My guest next time is World Barista Champion, Borum Um. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. You can email me at hellojudgespodcast at gmail.com. And I ask, as always, please do not assess this podcast until after I've called time. Thank you. Time.